Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Dom Alessio. And this is Other Side of the Tracks. Each episode, we feature a new release and talk to the artist about the inspiration, meaning and stories behind each song. In this episode, Polish Club welcomes you to Iguana, the much-awaited second album from the Sydney rock duo. Aware of the fabled sophomore slump, John Henry and Novak tested the breaking points of their musical and creative abilities as much as they did themselves. With the results showing that the hard work was very clearly worth it, the band has brought into the world an evolved sound, both expansive and adventurous, and of course, heaps fun. Here's Polish Club with Iguana. Hi, I'm Novak. <laughs> hey, I'm uh, JH. And we, together, are Polish Club, a uh, rock band from band, Sydney, Australia. Yeah. We're going to take you through a track-by-track track of our sophomore album called Iguana, which is out June 7 or out now, depending on when this podcast comes out. We started writing it immediately after we released uh, like an in-between EP, Okie Dokie, still available yeah. now, um, if you want to listen to that. It hasn't been deleted off the internet yet. I don't believe it has. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we went straight into the studio to write, and then wrote some more, then recorded demos, then tracked yeah. some stuff, then threw that away, and then wrote some more, recorded demos. Fuck, I mean... Yeah, we did a lot of traveling in 2018, which kind of slowed it down. But I feel like we... I feel like we really started working on it hardcore middle of 2018. We had like three different recording sessions where we actually tracked song four, three. I think four, yeah. We did some up at the Grove in the Central Coast. We went there and stayed there for a week, lost our yeah. minds a little bit, had a lot of pizza, watched some NRL. That is literally the the moment where we had our first single, Clarity, right? Yeah. We tracked that along with 
Everything was going well. It was going great. We tracked it with another song that we thought was going to be on the album. Spoiler alert, it's not on the album. That was like, what, four days at the Grove, and then we did another week, yeah. months after that. We went to Germany. Mm, back to the Grove. Yeah, we went to Germany twice. Twice. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> we, went, we went to Europe, pl- uh, played, came back. Came back with no money, spent the rest of f- our money. I think we rode a bit for a couple of weeks, and then got another tour in Germany, went to back oh, to Germany. Yeah. And then came, uh, came back and then tried to record again. I blew all our money on a session at the Grove. But that no, which, but we used quite a lot of that. Yeah, see, this is like yeah. the peaks and the troughs thing. At the end of that, we, were, at some point, it was like, "Fuck, we have nothing. We got a single that's out already, that people, I think, like, which is great." But we have nothing yeah. else. And people go, can't wait for the album. What does it sound like? Yeah, we recorded. I think the second Grove session, we we recorded like 10 mm. or 8 songs mm. and then at the end of that like our A&R and management were just like there's no there's no other second single here and then oh my that god was, I'm getting like PTSD <laughs> yeah. that, that actually happened in this uh, building yeah that was nice and uh, board, we, we walked in like strutted in to yeah Universal, wait till you hear these 8, and like, eight tracks throw the fucking usb or whatever <laughs> on the desk you go there you put that in your yeah. gob and it's uh, it, it was just lukewarm reception and then since then and, and that was kind of like a difficult thing because from there we were just focusing on trying to write singles which was is not a way we usually write kind of it's not a way anyone should write unless you are just recording a single and not mm. which i think that's why we found ourselves in those circumstances because everyone around bands now are artists. Usually the plan is for like poppier acts is to just drop singles, single, single, mm-hmm. single. Like, you know, if you're the fucking weekend or whatever, he doesn't have to do an album. He'll just do singles until he dies. But for us, we're like, we have to have an album at the end of this. So like trying to hone in on one song that is, I don't know what, better or more consumable than the rest of it is just so counterproductive. Throughout the whole process and throughout our entire career in terms of like uh, creative output, the one constant has been Wade Kieran or Big Sexy. Or Uncle Wade. Uncle Wade. Anyway, he's multi-leveled. Uh, he did our first album and our probably some demos before the album. He did a bunch of demos. He produced entirely the first album. So we we came back to what we were comfortable with and it was Wade and the same thing happened this time and we tried to... We got the first two singles, Clarity and We Don't Care, mixed by John Congleton in the States. He's great and he kind of informed how the rest of it was mixed but also because by the time we'd gotten all our shit together we were super pressed for time and it made more sense to use Wade to mix the rest of it. But I think you got ahead of yourself there. I think Wade did produce and mixed the first album, and this time he just he. I think we decided that we'd get someone else to mix it. We being Yumi and him. Yeah, yeah. 
he's like, so he's produced and engineered. He was going to produce and engineer it, and then John got John Congleton to like to do the first two songs. But then yeah, we were like, we really because we were trying to find a second single. Like we got delayed a little bit, and he could didn't have time, so we had to like keep it. But I think like also uh, he felt too close to it and like not able to do something different or kind of see from the outside what could be the possibilities in terms of mixing but having the two first singles go to someone else and like totally you know go against the grain of what his tendencies would be kind of informed him in a way that would allow him to mix the rest of them and still be us but have it be different so i I think it made sense to kind of split the duties that time I guess like all the songs were informed by um, a period of us going through personal ups and downs, mostly downs, all three of us actually. And that often ends up with like going out and drinking or like being anxious. And But it's like all of those emotions can kind of uh, be seen as a microcosm uh, or rather the like a night out on the town doing stupid shit and like how thinking about how you felt back when you were like a young kid and doing all that stuff is kind of a microcosm for all the stuff that came with what we were going through at the time i don't know it's more it's i thought the concept was like 20 2006 was the concept yeah but my take on that yes you're right but my take on that is that concept of 2006 like all of the tent poles and pillars of what you feel in that like whatever that experience you're being nostalgic about is exactly the same feelings you're still feeling now like the the moving parts of it like going to iguana and like yeah, which is smashing like, heaps of mdma or whatever it's like well those somewhat <laughs> have changed <laughs> but like the emotional response to things are still in your brain. I still go through all that stuff. So I think it's like kind of this mix of nostalgia for that, but also like uh, acknowledgement that it's like, oh yeah, shit's kind of the same. We just don't have anywhere to go out and drink anymore. This was kind of on our on that little period where we were just trying desperately to get a second single done. We wrote a song that sounded like Robin. We wrote a song that sounded oh, yeah. like... We, we literally like wrote like 10 songs in a different genre. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> and and then we to... settled on, oh, we'll just write a rock song. <laughs> no, no, we did the 10 songs in a different genre and then we sent them to our like our people and they were like, uh, that like 
like that one song is like middle of the road. Every single other one is just shit. <laughs> <laughs> We Number don't care. Is the first track on the album. There's cowbell in this song, but it's apparently it's Wade um, hitting a vase, like a vase. It's an upside down copper vase with um, like sparkle. party sparkle. Yeah, like a little sparkle, just like, and then just like marked really closely and, and literal, cranked. literal thigh slaps. Oh uh, yeah, thigh slaps. Oh my god, that was a day. We were trying to avoid what felt like the easy choice in like just soaring choruses, like three chord, um, just really kind of catchy, simple, anthemic stuff. But it's like, I guess you realize if you do it right, it works. And that's a lot easier said than done. And I guess that's kind of playing to our strengths more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You really were fighting against naming a song after the <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you want to call it? Um, oh, It's Cool. It's Cool. I still think yeah. that's a good name. I think it's a fine name. I Something about me always uh, really got a bit giddy when um, albums had a, a title track. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I think sure. especially because like, it... it it's not just a super random title track. It kind of fit in contextually and it mentions it once in the song. It's not like too on the nose. I don't know. I like this song. I counted today seven or eight guitars layered on top of each other at the end there, which is uh, um, yeah, which is kind of a theme of this album. Yeah, <laughs> just like more. I don't. What's it missing? I just, just to put more guitar, put guitar layers, on there. Yep. It's great. I love it. Well, it, we got a slide. Can we slide the yeah. guitar <laughs> somewhere? <laughs> I 
on you recorded yeah. the uh, ambience, the, yeah. the I, crossing uh, crosswalk signal. I'm kind of just obs- outside of the studio. I was obsessed with like the ambient thing. There's a, and there's a few more times on the album where there's like just and they're just iPhone recordings. And I think he pitched. Did he pitch the beep to the yeah key? I think it's way higher in real life. And like, but it made still the, sounds like super familiar, which is weird. Yeah, and then made it the temp, made the right tempo. Yeah, he slowed um, it or sped it up. I think so. It's like on the four yeah. four beat. Um, I guess we kind of started putting all the ambient stuff in after we kind of decided on the name mm. Iguana, which is kind of like talks about which is named after this shitty bar that we used to go to like really late at night in Sydney mm. in King's Cross. Um, but it was like the place where you used to go just like off your head and like the sun would be almost coming up and they just, just let you up. in there. Like they just let anyone in there, no matter what state. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like, and yeah, as, as we go through the album, there'll be there's other kind of little ambient things that are recorded around Sydney, most at all at nighttime. And also, the song ends with me walking up the stairs. Um, I can't remember where I did that. Maybe at my at work, probably. Yeah, at work. Beautiful. <laughs> Track three, uh, Goddamn. It's a f- I, I think it's a really important song to have on the album because it's like just straight up fun and not at all in a dark way. Mm. Um, in terms of like the feel of it and the instrumentation, um, which we don't often do, I think. Mm. Um, which is great because I, I don't know, it's just fun to be fun sometimes and not be too serious. This one, this one, kind of just snuck on the album as well. It just like it kind of like we're like nah, and then we're like all right, yeah, and then like kind of like tuck it in. We put it at the end, and then right at the last minute, everyone's like, oh no, that's actually pretty good. Just put it up the front. We went away from like fast-paced punky stuff and soul stuff where there's like full chords and like a a real straight beat that carries it. you have to add more to it because the stuff that we're doing is a bit more part based like a bit more lead based sometimes Mm. there's only one note on the guitar for the chorus of this so it kind of necessitates that extra thing to make it a bit more catchy and a bit more full so i mean knowing that we would tour this with wade as a third player uh meant that we're like fuck it we can we can just add stuff and then work it out afterwards and fortunately that kind of makes sense now because we have the you know the extra hands to do it live all the song all these songs are still written just two piece like Mm. with a guitar and drums and we just i think because we had more time in the studio as well we we had time to play around with some extra shit Mm. but i also think the world that the album sits in lends itself to having stuff like synth and yeah. like cheesy samples or whatnot. <laughs> 
yeah, I guess that's kind of what made me comfortable with the kind of 2006 concept thing. Is mm. each song kind of all the songs kind of fit or kind of feel inspired by something that we were like stuff we were listening to back then and kind of that was really influential for our music taste as well. I guess. Stuff that we were listening to back then. Stuff that we were both listening to back then and yeah. stuff that I'm still listening to today. <laughs> and, and going, yeah. no, they're still making music, man. It's good. And Novak still listens to Maximo Park, everyone. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They'll never die. I don't know why why this happened, but it's probably the song that we really worked most on ever. Like, there's so many different demos that we were trying. I guess maybe because I was just like freaking out and I wanted it to be. No, I think because there's just heaps of moving parts to it that yeah. we haven't worked with before, and like the beat was a bit more complicated mm. and like, or not even comp, but like thought through. Yeah, and we tracked it to. Click track as well, which we mm. didn't use click track for any of the first album. But then it meant we could add all this stuff yeah. like congas and stuff. Yeah. Which is hilarious. And it's the first track that we have like that bullshit ambience stuff on. Oh yeah, there's ambience in it as well. Yeah, ambience. Interestingly, the pre chorus and the chorus were kind of Two chorus ideas. Yeah, we just said put them both in. But well, no, I think Wade. Us. I think Wade was like, I think we tried. No, would- you know what happened? Um, Wade fucked up and nudged the um, the pre-chorus. I'm trying to think if it's the pre-chorus or the chorus. I think it's the pre-chorus. He nudged it backwards. Yeah, it sat on a different beat. And it sat on, like, the one instead of the two or the yeah. three or something, and it, like, made it way better. Yeah. And, and that then like, got and then, turned into a pre-chorus. Yeah, and then he was like, just you, and then just use that other chorus idea yeah. as the chorus bit. Which I think came about was someone was just like, just scream. Mm-hmm. Just, just fucking scream. Which yeah, it's interesting how that happens. I guess like the thing is we had a rule where we didn't have we said no acoustic guitars ever and there's mm. a prominent one in this. Yeah. Break apart. I think that whole theme of like we're taking references from when we were young and it allows us to use all that stuff that we haven't used before and also because we're not like a two-piece anymore we can do that stuff and get away with it I might stay forever I may break your heart I could stay or I could break it apart break it apart 
I think the whole, like lyrically, a lot of the album is just being honest and not trying to be positive or negative negative about it. It's just kind of like being self-aware of your tendencies. And um, I think like being recently single when we were writing some of it, um, it's kind of just being at peace with like your pros and cons and being like, well, it may be great. It may be bad, but um, you know, it's kind of like a take it or leave it thing. This one was it's hard because it's the second album and and it's like a bit of a crossroads thing. But now I feel like free, free to do anything now. In a yeah, weird, in a weird I think way. it's like a reset. It's got the vibraphone on it. Is that yeah? What, which I was like, that, I picked it up one day. Um, I was asleep on the couch. I think you were asleep on the couch. I picked it up as a joke. It was on. It was like it. two in the morning or something. Yeah, and then Wade's like, "No, we'll do it." So he started yeah. tracking it, and then I had to actually learn it on the vibraphone, which is. But yeah, that was that was that took a while. That was fun to do at two a.m. with everyone falling asleep. <laughs> but I think it's a nice, it's like a, you're passed out in bed, uh, there's crickets at the end of it. Oh, yeah, and that was um, another, amb- <laughs> another ambient thing. Mm, and you get to the end of it and like, everyone's like, oh, fuck, it's like, the whole album's like set at night. Boom. That's in the 2006. Twist. That's the twist at the end, yeah. <laughs> oh, crickets, 2006, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's uh, our album. Yeah, cool. Polish Club's new album, Iguana, is out now. For more, head to polishclub.co. Other Side of the Tracks is produced in Sydney, Australia by U Music Media House, a subsidiary of Universal Music Australia. This episode was recorded and edited by the team at Forbes Street Studios in Woolloomooloo. For more, visit othersideofthetrackspod.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.